this week's Akin Asia podcast. My name is Nikki and I'm the director of Akin Asia and this week I'll be chatting with Geraldine Nemrod who is the founder and managing director of the Klong Toy Music Program. Gigi, as she is more commonly known, was introduced to me by our previous guest Madeline and this is part of what makes our podcast series so unique. Instead of us deciding who to interview and which women-run projects we should focus on, Instead, we ask every one of our guests to nominate a woman who is doing great work and who we should talk to next. It was in this way that I was introduced to Gigi and came to speak with her recently in Bangkok, Thailand. Good morning, Gigi. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Good. Yeah, it's a beautiful day today. It is a beautiful day today. We're in Bangkok. Um, and I'm talking today with Gigi, who is the founder of the Kong Toy Music Programme. Tell us, Gigi, about your program. How did it start? How did it start? So it started uh, six years ago. Um, basically, it was just a dream. A dream um, that was giving back to society. So um, that was the main idea of it. I didn't know at that time how I would give back, but I had a passion, which was music. So somehow I thought I had to link back to society through music and I just looked for information on internet and I found an amazing foundation that is already doing that around the world they're called Playing for Change yeah I've heard of that yeah. they support music education program uh, for underprivileged children all around the world actually and I, I just searched if they had one in Thailand and they didn't so I just thought I'm gonna start it and then whenever Whenever my program will be out there, I'm going to contact him and tell him, do you want to work with <laughs> So basically that was the, the beginning. And uh, I met that amazing Thai woman uh, who had the exact same dream than me and she knew playing for change too, so it just clicked. Things. It was together. supposed to be here, we had to do this together. Mm-hmm. And we started it that way. Tell us a little bit about, um, about the Kong Toy slums and your involvement there. And also for, for, for listeners maybe who are not familiar with Thailand and not familiar with, with Klong Toy, um, give us a little bit of context around that area and the, that, this area specifically that you're working. So um, the slum part of the Klong Toy district is very centrally located, right in the middle of Bangkok, very accessible. And it's the biggest one too. It's more than, than 100,000 people living there. Okay. And... Uh, Basically, it's uh, considered as a really um, drug-prone district, so it's really famous for that, for drug addiction, but also alcoholism and violence. And there are a lot, a lot of Thai people who are scared to go there because they hear a lot of stories about it. It's a slum place, poverty, drug addiction, crime, and uh, they do not. Uh, really want to go there and and I went there because uh, I wanted to see how it was really and what I discovered actually is just like a small village. Mm-hmm. It's a small community where there are a lot of people working and you do not see all the things that people talk about. You, don't, you do not see it on a daily basis. It felt really uh, like a safe environment. Like a small community, a small town. Totally, right. totally. So uh, I know that the things are there. There are definitely crimes there, drug addiction, yes 
violence, alcoholism, and all these things, but there are also lots of children who grow up there, mm -hmm. and they are innocent. And uh, yeah, my objective is more to keep them out of all these troubles. And it, actually, in this slum community, there are also a lot of organizations who are already trying to help the kids and also the adults. And so it felt like it was the, the place where things could happen, because people are already making a change there. Did you feel like there was a lot of hope in that community? A lot of um, will for change? People yes. want to change? Yeah. Yeah, people want to change. The, the kids have dreams too. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So, and it's um, it's also, you know, even if the children are, are really poor and they face different kind of difficulties at home, but they are really positive. They're just kids. They want to have fun. They want to be happy. Yes. So, uh, so I think it's a wonderful atmosphere, actually. And music is something, I mean, in, in the development world, um, in, in community development, a lot of uh, tools, I guess, have been used to, with communities to help create change and help create impact. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I'm thinking of is sport. A lot of, I've seen a lot of um, activities and a lot of campaigns and a lot of development organizations using sport um, in local slums to, to kind of create change and build hope you talked a little bit about your love of music and wanting to use music to uh, create hope and inspire change within the community. Um, was music, was your child, was your, was your own childhood filled with music? It was. Actually. Tell us about your childhood. Well, um, I started learning music when I was eight years old. So um, my grandmother was a pianist. <laughs> Um, but my parents were not at all into music, or my brother, or anyone in the family, really. <laughs> it was your grandma. Yeah, it was my grandma, and I loved to hear the sound of her piano when I wanted to hear it, basically. And I grew up in a very loving family, and um, I think it was pretty easy for me. And uh, actually, music gave me so much. It gave me a whole identity. I became someone because I was a musician. I was learning music. I was quite good at it, and it just gave me so much confidence in myself, uh, so much value to my time, and yeah, I felt like I was someone. I was a musician. Did you perform? Yes, I used to perform, uh, so I was learning at a music school, and each year there would be performances on stages, and I went to the conservatory school as well, and so, yeah, there were a lot of performances. I think um, performing, I mean, I, I'm not a musician, sometimes I wish I was, <laughs> but uh, at the school that I grew up in, it was very uh, focused on drama, so we did a lot of plays, and being on stage and I think showcasing your talent and what you can do and showing what you have achieved in your studies and in your learning is such a confidence builder and being able to present yourself in front of a crowd of people, whether they're your family, your friends, people that you don't know is so important. It is. It is, and it gives you confidence. It makes you proud of yourself, which is very important as a child, I think. And uh, and also, it shows you that you can do it, because it's really scary. Exactly, you can there. do it, yes. Yeah, it's very scary, and you know you work hard for it, and when you get up on the stage, something happens that is completely beyond you. Yes. It's magical. There's a connection with what you're doing right now. It's just like a flow, like you're playing, you're into playing your music and people 
listen to you. You send them a message through your music. And it's just beautiful. So tell me a little bit about your performances um, or the, the, the children's performances with the Kelantan Music Program. I know a few couple of years back you did uh, something at Central World. Yes, we did. Like, yeah, that was long ago. Long ago? Yes, probably long ago. I think it was when I just first came to, to Bangkok. Four maybe years. four years. It was four, four years, years ago. ago. I remember, 2013. Yeah, it was actually for playing for change there. So it's happening this Saturday actually again. It's once a year there is this day called Playing for Change Day. It's the third Saturday of uh, September each year. And actually it's basically to celebrate music, celebrate social change through music, to just show people that magic happens through music. You can connect countries, you can connect cultures even though you don't speak the same language. You can bring peace through music basically. So that's the message of it all. And anybody is free in the world to organize this kind of event. So basically it's volunteers all around the world who organize any kind of events. So it can be concerts like we did at Central World four years ago. It can be just playing in the streets. It can be um, flash mob. Last year we did a flash mob for, for that day. And it can be anything basically. This year we're not doing anything. <laughs> okay. We're just going to have actually a workshop, a Latin music workshop at the school, but I think it's a nice way to celebrate too because we have two cultures meeting through yes, music. Absolutely. These people from, so it's going to be a band from Panama, they do not speak Thai, yes. and our kids do not speak English, <laughs> but they're going to just play have fun together, absolutely. play and, and communicate through music. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, tell us a little bit about your school too. So how many how many kids do you have enrolled or have participating in the programs? Uh, well, that are actively actively enrolled, we have about thirty to forty kids. Okay. So it's not that many, but um, yeah, it's the one that come really regularly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they come um, two to three times a week. So normally we officially teach on Thursday evenings and Saturday afternoons and on Monday evenings we have like small group teaching for the most advanced one, the okay. ones that really want to learn and go further. So I wish we were open every day, but it's a question of finding the right fundings of and everything. So it takes time, but we're getting there. Yeah. And then and who are your teachers? Who teaches music? Do you teach? Uh, I don't anymore. Honestly, well, I, I'm going to help practicing, but uh, I've hired a piano teacher to replace me. I used to be the piano teacher because I do want to work on the management and there is so much to do um, to organize. So um, I'm tra just trying to um, get more time to this kind of work, administration yes. work and everything. So I'm, I'm not really teaching anymore, but I'm at the school every time there is a lesson. Yes. And the teachers, there are people, well, from usually musicians or music teachers, basically. And uh, the way we hire them is just that we post on Facebook, on websites, and whoever wants to join, then they join us. How old are the kids? Um, from seven years old up to 20. Okay. Yeah. So we require them to be seven years old at least because otherwise they cannot really focus on learning they're too young and we do not have we do not have enough staff to take care of the youngest one and we don't want them to disturb the lessons why 
the older ones want to learn, right? So uh, ideally, we would find some staff, some volunteers to take care of the youngest one and we would do some kind of, you know, discovery lessons like rhythm and things for the very, very young ch children. Because parents very often bring us really young children and they want them to stay around, play games, have fun, be around music, be around their friends, and we would love to have them there. It's just that we don't have the right number of capacity. Yeah, sure. That's, and that's, that leads on to actually a question that I, I wanted to ask you as well. And, and what, what is the, So you've been running this for six years. Yeah. Um, what is the impact that you've been seeing on the community and how has the community kind of embraced this project? Um, was there a little bit of uncertainty, I guess, at the beginning? Not not sure what really you were trying to do or what was trying to... I think it really depends on people. Um, because, for example, at the beginning, we were looking for space there, the community. Uh, we didn't have anything. And what I did, for example, is I went to different organizations and just knocked at their doors and told them, I have this project, I want to teach music with friends, we have everything. Instruments, a little bit of fundings, and people who want to teach, we just need a space. And so you had many different kind of reactions. Some organization that were saying basically, no, just go and ask someone else, we can't do that. The last organization I went to, it was a very small organization, I remember, um, Christian charity, a church, basically. They didn't know me. I could barely speak Thai, it was really, really funny, like really hard to explain <laughs> my project. And I was telling them basically, I have friends who are tired, just, just don't, don't freak out, it's fine. And I was just like, yeah, sure, we have, a, we have a room, take it. Every Saturday, it's yours, teach the kids. So some people really believe in what you do. You don't even have to show them any proof or to, yeah, to be there. You just talk to them about it and they're like, yes, we're gonna help you. And some, some other don't. It's the same with the parents of the children. Some are really supportive, they send their, their kids to our school, they come, sometimes they bring some fruits to say thank you to the teachers, some other some other parents who will never ever meet them, I guess, yes. so it really depends. And now, talking about funding and talking about space, do you have your own space now? Yeah, we do, we have a school, it's a, it's a five-story house, um, you know this, um, how do you call them, shop houses? Shop you know house, this, yes, the, yeah. the old shop, like the Chinese shop house. Yeah, where you have the first floor that yes. used to be a um, shop upstairs upstairs that's that's one of um, these houses that we have so it's a five-story house and we uh, we try to use all this, the, the floors basically mm -hmm. and it's a it's really interesting to see how it has uh, evolved since the beginning it's much better looking space than it used to be <laughs> uh, much nicer to work in as well and uh, and what is lovely actually is to see the children running around like at every floor you have children like they're, they're just being happy being there they're running around they're having fun they're smiling they're laughing they're playing music singing they're dancing they're doing every everything. they're having a child they're being essentially yeah. they're being kids and they're having fun and they're playing and they're building friendships as well they're learning how to live together and uh, it's amazing actually to walk through this whole house and then see that happening there. How does it make you feel? It makes me feel good, it makes me feel like we're doing it right, because um, it's not easy. Uh, there are lots of obstacles, and uh, sometimes I wonder, 
shall we like change a few things? For example, we are open to all kids. We are not at all restrictive, and we don't force them to come. So they do not have to attend every single week because our objective is to keep them out of the street. So if they spend one hour with us, it's one hour away from the street. So we're never going to tell them, no, you have to stay, or if you do not come regularly, you're not coming at all. So we're being very inclusive, and one of the problems of that is that you never ever know how many kids are going to show up. So uh, we have to adapt, we have to be very flexible. And sometimes, for example, regarding this, I was wondering, should we do like other organizations do, having a real proper registration system, like the kids come and they have to, sign in or yes and then the ones that do not come regularly then we say no you cannot but we don't want that and uh, every time i see like i told you the kids being happy there i'm just it comforts myself that it's the right choice this is the right way that you're doing it and it's we just want to give them a second like a, a space where they can feel safe and they can feel like they can come anytime and which is so important yeah it is it is what do you have plans for the future. You talked about trying to take a step back and focus on the administrative side and to really kind of get all of the administration and processes yeah. sorted out um, so that potentially you can grow. Yes. Right? Is that is that the idea? What what is the future plans? Oh we have so many future plans. <laughs> so the immediate one is to register as a foundation. Okay. So we're not officially registered and that's uh, an obstacle to our growth, absolutely. So that's uh, in the future we want to be a foundation. Then we do want to be open every single day. Have someone there, even if there is no lesson, but at least have someone who can open the house so that the kids feel free to go there if they want to, if they need to. And we want to teach music every day, but also different kind of arts as well, English as well, and other activities that anyone anyone They get to learn about many different things. That's our objective. And a very long-term objective would be to follow them up uh, later on in the future. See so what they're doing, what they've achieved. That's it. And we want to have them. Uh, if one kid one day come to me and say, I want to be a musician, I'm going to tell him, I want to send you to the university and learn music there. So we would love to build partnership with universities to be able to send the kids there. If one kid come to me and say, I want to be anything else, I would love to be able to tell that kid, yes, I can help you with that. So it can be by giving them opportunities, but also by helping fund their studies too. But that's, that will be when they will be on age. Yes. Actually, so we're not there. And, uh, and we have to focus on the first which is get the school running like a real proper school running every day and yeah. just through. It was at this point of the chat that I explained to Gigi that I wanted to play her a clip from a previous conversation with Madeline in which Madeline speaks of how Gigi's work inspires her as this podcast is really about connecting people and shining a spotlight on women's work. I feel that it is important for our guests to understand that their work is valuable and meaningful to others. The following clip has been taken from our previous podcast and speaking is Madeline from The Sustainable Self. 
Actually, when you asked me that question, I knew immediately who you wanted to. <laughs> yes, uh, I didn't really have to think about it because Gigi and I, we've been friends since I moved to Thailand almost five years ago. I met her through a common friend and I've been absolutely blown away by her determination. Her full name is Geraldine Nemrod. Uh, she's a French citizen. But her work with the Klong Toy Music Program is, is beyond inspirational because she has really, she's left a job at the university to fully dedicate, to give the kids in Klong Toy an opportunity to learn music and get away from the environment of, you know, drugs, violence, abuse, and giving them an outlet to find maybe happiness in a different way, find a different direction, a career possibly in, in music or just yeah, a different way to connect with the community. And my God, I don't know where she gets the energy from, <laughs> but she's really built in a beautiful project. Mm. I love what she does, you know, she's a, she's a foreigner mm. working in the slums. She's the only foreigner working with local Thai artists and it's very hard to find people that have their heart yes. 100% in their work. I mean, sometimes I tell her, I said, my God, I would have thrown in the towel at this point. It's just her dedication and her belief that she can be part of change, positive change for mm -hmm. these kids. And she's just done remarkable work. And for me, she's an inspiration when I feel I have the blues. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all have that person, right? Exactly. We all have that person. Back to my chat with Gigi. That last part that you mentioned, that uh, when you have the blues, when you have the blues, it's really important to have this kind of inspiration. Well, she is my inspiration too. Whenever I feel down, whenever I have no motivation, and I think that's what is beautiful is that our work is not about changing people's life through what we do. It's not about just making a difference to these people that we are working with, but it's also inspiring. It's just show, showing others that things are possible because I don't think the odds were really great for me to do this actually when I started. It was just a dream. I had absolutely no connection. I wasn't working at all in music. I had no background in organization. Just a dream and people around me believed in this dream. And it happened. And if, if I can do it, I believe anyone can do it. People can do it. Absolutely. Yes. And that's why I think it's very important this and that's why I'm, I'm really happy that it inspires others and that it just gives them the, the strength to do what they really want to do. What was the, the tipping point I guess? You, you talk about I mean this project for you was, was just a dream. You didn't really know how to make it a reality but what was what was the tipping point at that very beginning of your journey when you realized okay actually this might become something, this might become possible? I think it was the first day we talked, actually, because it never seems real until you're there, actually. It's always talking, meeting people and saying, I want to do this, I want to do that, and <laughs> you're never sure it's going to happen until the very last day you don't really believe it's going to come together. And I think on that day, where we were doing our first teaching and there were 30 more kids there, and we had, I was telling you before about that Play Fortune Foundation, 
So I wanted to do that program and contact them. And they are the one who contacted us. They saw, I did, a, I did at that time a, a website where I was just telling about my journey, volunteering that I was doing, and the dream I had, even though it was not there, I was putting it out there. And they yes. saw that website. Oh, wow. And they called me. And then we're in Thailand, and they, they told me basically we're in Thailand for three weeks. We're here. We've wow. seen what you want to do. Is your program uh, real yet? I was like, no, but I can make it real. I went to knock at the door every single organization I knew in Kompen. And the third week, we started teaching and playing for children there to take pictures and video. And they pitched our story to the main foundation in the US, and that's how we Wow, it's uh, yeah, that's um, incredible. So through your through your work and through putting out there your dream, your dream actually came to you. It is, it is, and that's what I think. It's absolutely fantastic. Is that even though sometimes you, you're telling yourself you're crazy, you have these huge dreams, and you do not know how you're gonna get there, but they do happen because you put it out there and because you work really hard for it and you show people you're passionate about it. I think another very good example about that is. Uh, so we had this small room where we were teaching for the first uh, eight months or so. And after eight months we taught there, the foundation was lending us the room, told me they wanted to renovate it. And they told me, we're going to have to close it for three to four months. And I, I was like, I do not want to stop teaching for three to four months. We're going to have to start over again. What about these kids? So with my colleague at the time, uh, we walked around the slum and we looked for another place to teach and we sold that house that we currently rent and it was empty it was for rent and um, I remember looking at her and telling her we take it and she was like we don't have money I was like we take it because there were not uh, many five-story houses available that were pretty okay actually not in like too bad condition and so I told her it's the time otherwise we don't know how many months or years we're gonna have to wait to find another one and I remember taking it and and, and feeling that fear you know coming down <laughs> your face and telling yourself that's it because you need to have you have the two month deposit to pay and one month rent in advance like everywhere it was like three month rent okay we do have to find this now and I didn't know how to do that and we were really freaking out but we had to do it it was a gut feeling you know you had I just explained to the foundation so we found that amazing house and we do not have money for it but we're gonna look for it no worries I was not really asking them and they told me well it's beautiful coincidence because they have a supporter that have been funding their programs for years they that supporter she she would you know give the first uh, fundings for all the programs like a first like a certain amount of money for all the programs and start basically help all the program to start and at that time she gave to the foundation the exact amount of money we needed to pay the three month rent oh but exactly yes. exactly it was absolutely meant to be it was and when we when i heard that and when i when i when they told me the amount i was like <laughs> that's exactly what we need uh yeah someone is looking over <laughs> us watching over it. So I think these two things really made me believe that 
and uh, that was there, and it's gonna happen. And anything, which is might be sometimes a bit crazy, but it makes me feel that anything I want to happen is gonna happen if I work for it. Absolutely. If you put it out there, if you That's build it. the community, build the people around you, it will it will happen. Yeah. Uh, Even the craziest dreams. Yes. And that's what is wonderful. It's very uh, powerful feeling, actually, uh, knowing that you can do so much for other people by just putting it out there. By just trying. Yes. yes. And, and putting things into action. Because like what you said earlier about a lot of people do talk about ideas and about dreams and about things that they want to do. But, but yeah, a lot of the time it ends up just being talk. Um, and it's, it takes a special kind of person to no, I think I think you're doing some amazing work. Thank you. Really, uh, thank you for being here today with us. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. <laughs> thank you for having me. Before we end, uh, like I asked Madeline last time, I would like you to give a quick introduction or talk a little bit about someone who we will interview next. Okay. So I would recommend you to interview a fantastic young woman uh, whose name is Alice. She's the co-founder of uh, Social Giver. She's a brilliant young lady and she's out there. She's just, I, I, I feel like I see her everywhere in every magazine. <laughs> she is, everywhere. she's everywhere. It's amazing and she's always so positive and so strong advocating for what she believes in, for her vision. And it's, to me it's very inspiring. And I know it's not all and I know that uh, it's been hard for her, and it's probably still is. But uh, she just keeps going. And they've gone so far from 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 what from nothing as well in 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 very few years actually, and that's that's very that's incredible for me. Is the music program one of the organizations that is funded by Social? Yes, yes, it's amazing. Recently, actually, it's been a, a, a few. Uh, I've been following them for years actually uh, and uh, very recently they contacted us and they said that they, they wanted to help us and to me it's I'm really proud of it because uh, there are people I really look up to and I really look up to what they're doing to and to feel that they trust me and they want to help us well first it's, uh, it's a honor it's really a honor and uh, and I like the fact that um, yeah they really have their they really use their 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 enterprise what they've built their own venture their own business to help people and it's precious it's very important for charity. We were talking before about putting yourself out there and if you have if you have a dream uh, to just talk talk about it and let them, let the world know about it. So my question is. Is there anything that you're looking for at the moment uh, in relation to the Cocteau Music Program? What, what is next for you and how can people help you? And how might some of our listeners be able to get involved with the music program? There are two things we really need for our program to keep moving. The first one is visibility. So we need people to talk about it, to share it, or even to mention it to their friends. Or do podcasts about it. Yeah, to progress about it, it's a very good example. And we do need skills. Uh, I'm basically directing this program alone. Yes. And I have a part-time 
partner, part-time, she's an administrator, she's Thai, but I need help. I need people coming and telling me, for example, I can take care of your Facebook page, of your social communication, social media communication. I can take care of, take care of your website or these kind of things. I need to be able to delegate things yes. because I'm just totally overwhelmed. So I would need skills or people who have skills in buildings, for example, we have renovations to do and uh, sometimes it's hard dealing with technicians because I don't understand it all. So if anyone has skills in that, any lawyer that has knowledge about uh, foundation registration, so yeah, basically I need uh, this kind of help. How can people get in touch with you? What is the Facebook page or it's Instagram or yeah, website? Facebook page is called Conte Music Program and the website as well. So basically Google us and You'll come up there. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Gigi, for being on the program. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much for listening to the Kin Asia podcast. Our next guest will be Alice, the co-founder of Social Giver. If you like our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel on Apple Podcasts.